you are invited to register and participate in Orthodox Christian Conversations on Racism, a six-week study of St. Paul's Letter to the Galatians, Saturday mornings, July 18th through August 29, 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 to noon Eastern. Join us as our diverse team of six teachers of the Bible present a chapter-by-chapter reading of Galatians, looking to St. Paul for instruction in these worrisome times fraught with division, social unrest, and deep-seated racism. Our presenters come from different walks of life. They serve as members of the clergy, a police officer, a nurse practitioner, ex-military, a homeschooling mother, and a teacher. Following Father Mark Bulos's book, Torah to the Gentiles, which we will be using as a secondary source, the series will explore St. Paul's letter as a cause for hope in time of peril and a path forward for our country. Each Saturday, a 30-minute presentation will be followed by 30 minutes of discussion with registered participants. Please join us as we turn to Scripture to heal ideological divisions and overcome racism pervasive in our lives, our families, our churches, and our neighborhoods. Register today at orthodoxservantleaders.com. You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they behold. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 47. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. At that time, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh skins. Father, would you begin today by explaining the confusion of the disciples of John uh, regarding uh, fasting and Jesus' response? Yeah, very good question, good way to begin. And we should understand that fasting was an important spiritual discipline in Judaism at the time of Jesus. And of course, still to this day, Orthodox Christians fast on Wednesdays and Fridays most every week, few exceptions due to some important feasts like Pascha and Christmas. But this tradition of fasting twice a week didn't actually begin with Christianity, but has its roots in Judaism. Mm, That's interesting. So when did this, uh, I guess, bi-weekly fasting uh, begin in Judaism? Yeah, again, a good question, one I honestly can't answer precisely. I don't know when the bi-weekly fasting became common within Judaism, but I do know it had been well established by the time of Jesus. So were there specific days of the week that the Jews fasted? Did they also fast on Wednesdays and Fridays? No, they actually fasted on Mondays and Thursdays in the Didache, which is an early Christian document. Uh, and the name means the teaching of the Twelve, so very early Christian document. Christians are told to fast on different days than the Jews, and then specifically they're told to fast on Wednesdays in remembrance of Christ's betrayal, and on Fridays in remembrance of the crucifixion. 
Okay, that's really interesting. So this Christian fasting extends even further back, like you said, to Jews at the time of Jesus and even before that. So that helps us understand what John's disciples are referring to. Uh, but why do they bring that up? And maybe even more so, why were Jesus' disciples not fasting? Well, there's several different topics we can explore through this question. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about Jesus' disciples, and let's note some of the differences between John and Jesus and the differences between their disciples, and then also the differences uh, between Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees. Sounds good, Father. What are some of the differences? John was a strict ascetic. That word ascetic means to struggle or to practice self-discipline. Most likely, John the Baptist had taken a Nazarite vow, and so he did not cut his hair or get married or drink any alcohol. He would have been very strict in his spiritual discipline, and he lived in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey, obviously very strict and severe life. And presumably, he attracted disciples then who were similar or were at least attracted to that way of life. Now, the Pharisees would be... Uh, different in the sense that they were also very strict in their observance of the law, but they were not as strict as those taking a Nazarite vow. They were very much like what I think we view the good Christian as today. They were part of the world much more than John, meaning that they lived in daily society, not out in the wilderness. But they were highly respected as being righteous people. They would have been sort of the middle class of their time. They would be seen as pious, godly, and strict observers of Judaism. And so how does that differ from Jesus? Would he not have been viewed as a strict observer of Judaism? Yeah, absolutely not. That's the first thing I want to highlight in this passage as it relates to fasting. So Jesus absolutely was not seen as being pious during his time, at least, of course, by the Pharisees. He was looked down upon them, for sure. And there's evidence elsewhere in the gospel that John's disciples, uh, perhaps even John himself, at one point started to question whether Jesus could truly be the Messiah because he was so different from what they all expected. How so, Father? Jesus was hanging out with a motley crew. He was hanging out with these relatively poor fishermen. He was hanging out with people who were considered to be outcasts, both outcasts from society at large, but also uh, from people who cons uh, were considered ritually impure and thus were not allowed to participate in temple worship. In other words, what I want to highlight is that Jesus would not have been viewed by his fellow religious people as being pious at all. In fact, quite the opposite. And so that's a big part of why you have John's disciples coming to question, hey, why aren't you and your disciples fasting, as is the Jewish uh, tradition and piety? Or to put it another way, what on earth are you doing hanging out with these people who clearly are not righteous and pious people? And so why is Jesus hanging out with them then? Yeah, good question. Uh, as he says elsewhere, it's the sick who need a physician. There's no point in being the spiritual doctor and only attending to those who are well. You have to attend to those in need, and that's exactly what Jesus does throughout his ministry. But even further than that, in the second main topic as it relates to fasting that I really want to touch on is that Jesus is showing John's disciples and the Pharisees that they really misunderstand the true meaning behind fasting. And what is that meaning? What is Jesus trying to teach them? Biblically, we hear about the true nature of fasting, what God intends it to be, from the prophet Isaiah. 
In the 58th chapter of Isaiah, we hear God essentially mocking his people for their misunderstanding of fasting. He belittles the people for thinking that fasting will make them pious and righteous. He mocks them for thinking that the purpose of fasting is to make themselves hungry, to deprive themselves. And even more so, he makes fun of the notion uh, that the people seem to think by supposedly becoming righteous through fasting, that he, that God will listen more to their prayers. Yes, I believe we've spoken of this many episodes ago on the podcast, perhaps maybe in one of our really early episodes. I believe so. I know you've mentioned it during sermons before, but please outline for us uh, what God says in Isaiah 58 about what fasting really should be. Fasting is not at all intended to just make ourselves hungry. In Isaiah and in the Bible as a whole, fasting is tied up with the idea of justice and specifically justice and care for the poor. So in Isaiah 58, God goes on to tell his people through the prophet that fasting is, again, not to make ourselves hungry, but to relieve the hunger in others. And that's why many of the early Christian fathers noted that when people fast on Wednesday and Friday and you know, when we fast during Lent, the point is not just to abstain from certain foods as we do during those seasons. The point is to actually skip meals, to miss meals, and give those meals or the money that you would have spent on those meals to feed the poor. So then to summarize, fasting according to Isaiah 58 and according to Jesus should be to share what you would have eaten with those who are hungry. Absolutely, but but even more than that, Isaiah 58 continues on, and obviously this teaching is present in Jesus' teaching as well, that a true fast is to give liberty to the slaves, to loose every bond and every yoke. So to sort of sum this up, fasting is not about being righteous yourself, per se. Fasting is not really something that you should be doing for yourself. It's something that you should be doing for others. It's more outward-focused than inward-focused, and very specifically in this circumstance, and then more broadly in Jesus' teaching, he's showing that so many of the religious people, by far the majority, the vast majority, he's showing that the religious people are too focused on themselves, their own feelings and sense of self-righteousness, and they need to be more externally focused and honed in on the spirit of the law, the spirit of fasting, which is to relieve the hunger and the burdens of others. One final question on this specific idea of fasting. How should we understand uh, that Jesus says his disciples won't fast until he, the bridegroom, is with them, but they will fast later after he is taken away? Well, the way I would read it is twofold. As a matter of practicality, it did happen that after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, when he's no longer physically present with his disciples— that the Christians began to fast twice weekly, so there's the very practical nature of it. And then on a deeper level, I would note that when Jesus is there with his disciples, there is no reason to fast, as he mentioned. Again, this relates back to the fact that the purpose of fasting is to relieve the burdens and the yoke of others. When Jesus is there with this ragtag crew, this motley crew of his disciples, as I called them, there's no reason for them to fast. They're all free. They are all loved and accepted in his presence. They have no burdens. So why fast? In, in the presence of Christ, you're in the kingdom, so to speak. You're in the presence of the kingdom, and there is no fasting. There's only feasting. And then just to conclude, we see this understanding reflected in our orthodox practice of the preparation for and the reception of Holy Communion. 
We fast before receiving communion, but after hearing the word of God in the epistle and the gospel readings and then receiving the word of God through holy communion and having Christ present in us, we then break the fast because we do not fast when the bridegroom is with us. Great. Thank you for that explanation and, and then the, the connection to the actual practice of our faith, which is always helpful uh, in understanding why we do what we do uh, so that these practices don't become just an empty ritual. To conclude the episode, Father, would you explain what Jesus is referring to at the end of today's reading with the garments and wineskins? Yeah, very simply, Jesus is mentioning that you don't want to mix a new garment with an old, and you don't want to carry new wine and old wineskins because it will cause the wine to go bad. And in this context, Jesus is saying there has to be a break uh, with what had become the traditional practice of Judaism at his time. And note that this break comes not because there's something wrong with the law or that there's something wrong with Scripture. As Jesus taught, he's himself is the fulfillment of the law and of the prophets of Scripture. So the break is necessary because the traditional practice of Judaism had gone astray. It had drifted from the scriptural teaching, and one must go back to the scriptural teaching, not try to repair a system that was broken. And one must start a community where all are welcome at the table of fellowship, Jews and Gentiles, and most especially those who are poor and outcasts, those who have been pushed aside by the self-righteous, by the religious and political establishment, and a place for those who are mocked or minimized by the upstanding citizens in society. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we discuss the tradition of fasting. For Orthodox Christians, we can trace the roots of this important spiritual discipline back to Judaism. The common practice at the time of Jesus was for fasting to take place on Mondays and Thursdays. But this practice was changed to Wednesdays and Fridays in the early church, as evidenced by the Didache with Wednesdays in remembrance of Christ's betrayal and Fridays in remembrance of his crucifixion. Our passage today finds Jesus being questioned by the disciples of John as to why his disciples did not fast. In his response, Jesus tells John's disciples that they do not understand the true meaning behind fasting. Father Aaron then referenced Isaiah 58, in which God tells his people through the prophet that the purpose of fasting is not to make ourselves hungry, but to relieve the hunger in others. Jesus is telling us that most religious people are too focused on their own self-righteousness rather than focused on the spirit of the law, the spirit of fasting, which is to relieve the hunger and burdens of others. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to Thee, O God, O our God and our hope, glory to Thee.